That Bell by Paul Blake. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Barry was a boy of many characteristics. The most notable were an amazing love of sleep and a desperate activity when awake. He seemed to lay in a fresh stock of energy every time he had a nap, and although the most difficult boy in the world to waken, when he was awake he was irrepressible. It was winter. Barry found that season of the year did not agree with his constitution. "'This getting up in the middle of the night is killing me,' he remarked one day to a group of sympathizers. He had the whole school on his side in this particular matter, for work before breakfast in winter was decidedly unpopular. At half-past seven every boy had to be at his desk putting in an hour at mathematics before prayers and breakfast. It was pitch dark at seven, when the bell rang as a signal to rise. It is curious how difficult it was to hear that bell in winter. Barry never heard it, or rather, never heeded it. He scorned to rise till twenty minutes past seven. He could do it, as he termed dressing, in ten minutes, and had been known to do it in five. On such occasions his personal ablutions were apt to be rather neglected. "'That old bell is at the bottom of it,' remarked Culverwell, another boy, who found that the heavy clang disturbed his slumbers. "'It's John who's at the bottom of the bell,' put in Millward. "'I wish he'd resign.' said Barry. It's time they pensioned him off and sent him to a hospital for incurables. He's a hopeless job, said Millward. I spent half an hour one day trying to make him understand that I was willing to stand him a shilling if he'd give us a few minutes grace in the morning. But he's as deaf as a post, and though he took my shilling he rang us up more punctually than ever the next morning. I wish he'd hang himself with his bell-rope, said Culverwell. They eyed the offending bell, which hung idly in its turret, built over what was once a stable, but was now part of the school building. "'I wish we could muffle the old thing,' said Millward, looking wistfully up. "'It's freezing hard, and twill be deadly work getting up to-morrow.' "'I believe I could shy a stone up and crack it,' suggested another. Barry had been silently inspecting the building. "'Tell you what, you fellows,' he said at last. I believe I could get up there if I had a ladder. Out of the small classroom window, jump on the ledge, then creep up the roof by the chimney, then a ladder over the space to the turret. If you fellows will hand me up the ladder, I'll go. They were all dumb for a moment at his audacity. Then Millward said, How are you going to get into the small classroom? It's always locked in playtime. So tis, assented Culverwell. Then I must get up to the ledge with a ladder, and then pull it up after me. "'You're a plucky beggar,' exclaimed Millward, in admiration. "'Shouldn't we have a jolly snooze in the morning, if you should stop that old bell's jaw?' "'I will, too,' said Barry. "'There must be a ladder somewhere about.' "'There's the one John uses to clean the outside of the windows,' suggested Millward. "'But it isn't long enough.' "'It may do,' said Barry. "'Come along. Let's get hold of it. This is just the time. It's dark, and tisn't tea-time for half an hour. It was just five o'clock, and nearly every boy was indoors. Few cared for sliding on a worn slide in the dark, and a game was out of the question. So the three boys had small fear of being discovered as they prowled about in search of John's ladder. 
that worthy was having his tea and was not likely to be disturbed by any noise for he was stone deaf the boys hauled out his ladder almost from under his nose without his hearing a sound culverwell kept cave while millward held the ladder for barry to ascend it was a plucky if not perilous feat to attempt in the dark but barry was abounding in pluck and the spirit of adventure made him keep his nerve he soon found himself on the ledge and managed to haul up the ladder after him it was an assistance instead of an encumbrance in crossing the roof and he soon was within a dozen feet of the turret the boys below anxiously waited for his reappearance but he had a job before him his idea was to unship the tongue of the bell he had a glorious reward if he could succeed for john would never know if the bell rang or not it would be superb to have the old factotum pulling away at his rope and fancying he was fulfilling his duty when the tongueless bell was swinging silently on its pivot barry worked the tongue this way and that but it was a difficult job the inside of the bell was as dark as the inside of a wolf to use a hunter's simile he had to feel everything and the metal was terribly cold however at last he managed to unhitch it he deliberated what to do with it now he had it he put it in his pocket and descended as quickly as was consistent with security off with the ladder was his first order they soon had it in its place again then they felt safe from detection what are you going to do with it asked millward alluding to the rusty tongue which barry exhibited i think i shall leave it at the bottom of the turret if i take it away they'll know someone's been up but if we leave it here they'll think it's dropped down let's hope they will said culverwell dubiously at any rate i'll chance it continued barry so you fellows will be able to have a tall time tomorrow morning and we shan't get called till half-past eight at the earliest the sequel proved the correctness of barry's prophecy old john sought his bell-rope punctually at seven as usual rang away steadily for three minutes and then retired to his den to commence his never-ending job of shoe-cleaning one or two boys awoke from sheer habit but hearing no bell went to sleep again the rest slumbered peacefully on little thinking to whom they owed their unwanted repose the whole household were asleep the big bell was the signal for rising to everyone servants included with the exception of john and his wife her duty was to light the schoolroom fires after which she retired to her own part of the house to prepare her husband's breakfast these two almost useless pensioners on the doctor's bounty inhabited two rooms apart from the rest of the house how long every one would have slept cannot be known perhaps till nine for when one depends on a bell for waking one waits for the accustomed sound but dogs are not like human beings and fido who always had his breakfast at eight began making a great disturbance at a quarter past fido woke his mistress the doctor's wife she looked at her watch eight fifteen she was surprised beyond measure as there was a strange silence everywhere but the clock on the mantelpiece confirmed her watch and two minutes later bells were ringing in a manner which brought the servants out of their beds with a jump by half-past eight every one boys and all had been awakened informally for the bell refused to make a sound john was summoned and was at last made to understand what was the matter he asseverated warmly that he had rung the bell and went on a tour of inspection he found the tongue on the ground and obtaining a ladder from the gardener next door 
fastened it in its place again before it was time to ring for school. "'Never had such a gorgeous sleep in my life,' said Millward warmly to Barry. "'We'll vote you a silver tankard as a reward of merit.' "'Pity the trick can't be played twice,' remarked Culverwell. "'They don't seem to suspect anything this time, but if it were to happen again there'd be an inquisition.' Barry heaved a regretful sigh. It was hard to think that at seven next morning the inexorable bell would toll out as usual the knell of departing night. Something that day put him in a peculiarly reckless mood. More than that, he did not get his usual afternoon nap. He was disturbed by an inconsiderate master who wanted to know when his exercises were going to be handed in to him. So five o'clock found Barry ready for any deed requiring more cheek than usual. The bell. It struck him directly after he had written his last line. Whatever might happen, he would have one more good sleep. He did not confide his intentions this time to his two friends. He knew his way now. In five minutes he had captured the ladder and placed it against the wall. He was just stepping off it onto the ledge, when he heard footsteps beneath him, perilously near. If he attempted to draw up the ladder, the noise must attract attention. His only chance was to keep still, in the hope that the ladder wouldn't be noticed in the dark. But it was. Old John happened to have finished his tea earlier than usual, and was on his way to fetch an armful of wood. "'Now who's been taking my ladder?' he said to himself. "'Suppose it's one of them boys wanting to get their balls off the ledge.' He put the ladder on his shoulder and marched off with it. Barry listened in horror. He did not know it was John who had captured his only means of retreat. Whoever it was, he must throw himself on his mercy.' hi he called out in a voice meant to combine a shout and a whisper hi you there it was a shout this time and no mistake but it had no effect barry knew now it must be john it was no use to shout he tore off a piece of plaster and shied it in the direction of the retreating figure it struck the ground close to john but he did not hear it poor barry was left alone on the ledge fourteen feet from the ground. He couldn't drop, for there was a nasty grating just beneath him. Besides, he could not lower himself from the narrow ledge. He might have done it in daylight, but not in darkness. Even his pluck must draw the line somewhere. It was an uninviting night, and not a boy was out of doors. There was nothing for it but to accept the inevitable and remain where he was until something happened. He knew well enough what would happen. After tea there would be a calling over. He would be unable to say, add some, and inquiry would be made, resulting in his capture and punishment. Once more he proved himself a true prophet. Everything fell out exactly as he had anticipated, and by the time he was assisted down he was so cramped and frozen he would have welcomed a caning on the spot to warm him. Intentionally or unintentionally, the authorities did not connect his being on the ledge with the outrage on the bell of the day before. He received the usual punishment for missing calling over, but beyond that nothing was done. Probably the master who captured him considered he had already received punishment enough. At any rate, Barry was of the opinion that he had bought his extra hour's sleep rather dearly. End of That Bell by Paul Blake Read by Donald Cummings